This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal, and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pato. Today I'll be doing a review of one of my most anticipated films of 2020 and 2021, just because it kept getting delayed, but I finally had the chance to see it and I'm very excited to actually talk about it. And that is the new 007 film, No Time to Die, directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga, um, with Daniel Craig reprising his role once again as James Bond in his final film as James Bond. Uh, a lot of people speculated that Spectre was actually going to be the star's final turn as the character. And after his time on set, it did sound that way. He was kind of bored um, during the production and he felt very... I don't know the word. I, I don't want to say that he was mailing in his performance, but he did feel like he was kind of sleepwalking through the production. Apparently, it was a really long shoot and he missed his family greatly, but, I mean, he is getting paid a lot of money to play this character. Uh, but Daniel Craig is getting on now. He's 53 years old and uh, he has played the character now five times. And, yeah, I guess that he decided that he wanted to have one last shot at the character because Spectre... Whilst it's a visually striking film, it's one that I'm not a huge fan of. I'll be completely honest. I watched it in the cinemas and I've watched it once on Blu-ray since then. And I honestly haven't revisited the film since then. Um, but it is a, a well-crafted film, like I said. It's got some really cool action set pieces, but it's very slow. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because Casino Royale is quite slow as well. But Casino Royale is a lot more riveting because of what's going on around the characters and the drama that's central to the plot is very important. And I guess with the James Bond films, we haven't really had a continuing storyline throughout where we have now since Skyfall, since the events of Skyfall, a lot of what's happened has played an, a big part in Spectre and now No Time to Die, which is interesting and it's quite engaging to watch too. Uh, Spectre as an organisation is still operating in the background here. Uh, there's a lot of history with the characters. Um, we have some history with Remy Malik's character and Madeline, which is interesting and it's really well realised. Um, I'll get into a lot of that during the review, of course, but... This was a film, like I said, I was really looking forward to. I loved Billie Eilish's No Time to Die song, which I'm sure everyone's heard by now. Uh, when she first performed it at the VMAs, I believe it was, she was fantastic. And I was like, oh, that's such a good song. Uh, Adele's Skyfall is like iconic with this series of films, but No Time to Die, I think it's overtaken Skyfall for me. It's such a great song and she's wonderful. But I was really looking forward to seeing what Kari Joji Fukunaga would lend in terms of direction. Uh, he, of course, helmed True Detective, uh, the first eight episodes of season one. Uh, and he is fantastic, a fantastic filmmaker. If you haven't seen Maniac as well, his Netflix show, 
Brilliant, brilliant. Such a great show. Uh, he was, of course, going to direct the It films, but due to creative differences, did drop out of the production. Um, and then um, Andy Muschietti took over the production there. But would have loved to have seen what he could have done with It just because of his visual stylings. Like, this is a really good-looking film. He works really well with cinematographer Alana Sangren, um, who also lands La La Land, First Man, American Hustle. Fantastic um, director of photography. So... I was really looking forward to seeing what this film would look like and I was pleased in how visually striking the film was. But that's enough of talking about the background and my anticipation for this film. Let's just get stuck into the events. I won't spoil the film, but I do need to talk about the ending. So I will give a spoiler warning when I'm about to talk about the ending. But before you listen to this, please go out and watch the film because it is fantastic and a really good time in the cinemas. But that's enough of me talking. Take it away, trailer. Bond, any thug can kill. I have to know I can trust you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. You are a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Is this really what you want? Always alone? We used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. And now they're just floating in the ether. Secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. Oh my god, target enough people. And the people become the weapon. Who is he? James, you don't know what this is. James Bond. Licensed to with Madeline Swan. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind. Isn't it? Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? Don't do this. There will be nothing left to save. I have to finish this. You have a flow like this. No. So, No Time to Die, like I mentioned, was directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga and sees Daniel Craig reprise his role once again as James Bond with cast members Remy Malek, Lea Sudu, uh, Anna Diamas, uh, I'm going to say Lashana Lynch, hopefully I've said that correctly, uh, Ray Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, 
Rory Kinnear and Jeffrey Wright, um, with performances from Christoph Waltz and Billy Magnuson as well. Uh, the film follows James Bond, who has left active service. His piece is short-lived when Felix Leiter, played by Jeffrey Wright, uh, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with a dangerous new biological weapon. Um, so like I said, this was one of my most anticipated films of the last two years, and my relationship with the Bond franchise is mixed. I like Timothy Dalton's films, which a lot of people don't. Um, I'm a fan of some of the Piers Brosnan films, mainly Goldeneye, uh, which I think a lot of people are. And I've liked what James... Um, Sorry, what um, Daniel Craig has brought to the character of James Bond. He's been really, really good here in this role. Even in the lesser entries of Spectre and Quantum of Solace, he's still really good in those films. And I'll be completely honest, it's been a very long time since I've actually seen Quantum of Solace. Um, I saw it in the cinemas, and even back then I would have been... I think I was 11 or 12 years old when I saw Quantum of Solace and I remember seeing that film and just being like, yeah, something's not right here. This doesn't feel like a James Bond film should feel like. Um, and then since then I've watched it a couple of times and each time I'm like, uh, this is an ugly looking movie and the plot doesn't feel James Bond-esque. It's very weird, uh, but it's fine. I mean, I'll watch it in a marathon event, but I'm not going to actually sit down and say, I'm going to watch Quantum of Solace. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I've always found Daniel Craig to be really good as this character. Like I said, it felt like he was kind of sleepwalking a little through Spectre. So it was nice to see him embrace the character once again with, um, I guess, his Daniel Craigisms that he has presented throughout each of the films. And he's really good here. I, I really liked him in this film. Still not my favourite performance of his. I would have to leave that to Casino Royale and Skyfall. But... He is really good here, and it was really nice to see him on screen again as the character. Um, we have some additional cast members join us here. So Anna Diamas plays Paloma, um, who I believe is working for the CIA. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, she only shows up very briefly, which I was kind of disappointed about. But from what I hear is Universal want to spin off her character into her own franchise, We'll see how that works. I love Anna Diamas, and she's really good here in the brief action sequence that she shows up for. Um, we also have Lashana Lynch play Naomi, um, who has actually taken on um, the 007 moniker now that um, James Bond has left active service. That provides a few comedic beats throughout. There's a little talk whether or not she will take up the mantle of the next Bond I'm iffy on it. I, I don't really mind if that happens. But again, I just feel she can have her own movie by herself. I don't think we necessarily need to make her, you know, the um, the flagship for the new Bond franchise. I would still like to see a James Bond-esque character, um, I, I guess, still present within this universe. Uh, but she was really good in the film. I enjoyed her back and forth. Um, with Bond, they were pretty funny together. Uh, I really liked the returning characters of uh, Ray Fiennes as M, uh, Ben Whishaw as Q, and Naomi Harris as Money Penny, and we have Rory Kinnear as well as Tanner. Um, the crew's all back together. Naomi Harris is kind of sidelined a little throughout the film, and that's completely fine, but 
I really like her as Money Penny, and she's been one of the stronger elements of the recent films in particular, especially Skyfall. Uh, so I was kind of hoping that she would show up a little more here, but she's fine for the moments that she is on screen. Ben Wishaw is also really entertaining as Q. He's given a li- little more depth here, I guess. We get a little uh, insight into his um, personal life, which is interesting. Uh, Ray Fiennes, for the most part, is sort of cleaning up his own mess. This is something that he is sort of accountable for, what's happening with this biological technology. And yeah, it's really interesting to see that M isn't this hero as such. She's more of a villain here, which was interesting. And it was well played. I like the confrontation between him and Bond, although it's over very quickly. Um, Just with their back and forth, it seems like M's like, I can't stay mad at you, Bond. Come here, bring it in. Uh, But it's really entertaining to see the two of them on screen together because both are acting powerhouses. Uh, So Remy Malek as the villain, um, I don't know how I feel about him yet. So he has a relationship with Madeline. Uh, We find out with the whole Spectre story that he is intertwined with her past. I won't get into too much detail for those who haven't seen it. But essentially, um, he was the victim of this biological weapon in its early stages. So he's harvesting a little hatred towards Spectre and also um, MI6. Um, MI6? I hope I'm saying that and I'm not getting mixed up with um, with uh, Mission Impossible. But anyway, um, the relationship um, that they have, it's interesting dynamic, that's for sure. I, I really enjoy the two of them um, and what Remy Malek brings to the role when he's on screen. He's really, really good. But I don't know if I really like the villainous plot. Again, it's a it's a Bond film, so I completely understand that, and this is what Bond villains do. Uh, but it did feel very cardboard cutout-esque. Uh, I mean, you can still have an entertaining villain who has a connection to the character if you do it right. I mean, look at the what they were able to do with um, Silver and Skyfall, like such an iconic villain, uh, such a well-rounded villain, and quite menacing when on screen. Malik didn't really give off a menacing kind of vibe, especially when he's like bested by a child towards the end of the film that bites him. I mean, it's little things like that where you're like, oh man, I, yeah, I could do without the whole villainous plot. You know, you could do something a bit more personable with Bond, but you need the big baddie for the action set pieces. Um, but yeah, I, I found him to be a bit, a bit of a miss depending on which way you view it. I thought that the character was serviceable, but could have been a little better, uh, a little little more fleshed out. I enjoyed the returning of, you know, Jeffrey Wright. Um, he's always fantastic to have around and he's good here. Billy Magnuson shows up as well as like a heavy um, in one of the better action set pieces of the film. Uh, we have this awesome um, set piece with Bond and Madeline and uh, Madeline's daughter in the woods and it's really well shot it's really eerie uh it's essentially bond taking down these guys and logan ash who's played by billy magnuson is after bond we find out that he's like a double agent and he's not actually working with the cia um and he ends up being spoiler alert uh i guess the catalyst behind the death of felix leader um which was kind of sad as well in a really good set piece though they're on a boat and the boat's sinking and Bond's got to decide if he's going to get out or if he's going to save Felix kind of thing. So we have that bit of moral dilemma. It's not really. I mean, Felix ends up dying before they can even get out of the boat. 
Um, but it just provides that extra depth there and adds that extra layer to their relationship, which is really good. Uh, but Billy Magnuson was fine. I appreciate seeing him in these kinds of roles. He's always known as the funny guy with like Game Night um, and Into the Woods and even Aladdin more recently. But he does have the chops to be a good serious actor. And he, of course, worked with Kari Joji Fukunaga in his series Maniac on Netflix. And he's really good for the brief time that he shows up in that. But he was good, um, especially servicing his role as a heavy. Um, we also have Primo, a.k.a. the Cyclops, um, who has one eye. That was kind of fun, a, an interesting dynamic um, with him and Bond on screen. Uh, Bond gets to deliver a pretty fun line at the end of the film with some new Q technology, which I enjoyed. Uh, Christoph Waltz turns up again as Blofeld. Um, the lead up to the reveal of him in the film is so big and so epic that you almost wish that he was the villain again this time around. I would have been completely fine if that was the case. I mean, he was one of the better parts of Spectre. Whilst that movie has its issues, there was no issues with the villain. I mean, it's Christoph Waltz, two-time Oscar winner. He's brilliant. Uh, so I would have probably liked to have seen Blofeld as the main villain, maybe pulling the strings in the background again. But... His time on screen is shortly lived um, in a very interesting turn of events, which I won't spoil, but it was a really entertaining set piece. I really liked seeing them, um, the, the back and forth between him and Bond. They obviously do have a bit of a troubled past with one another, so it's you know the epic villain showdown that you want to see. Even though it's brief, it's still really entertaining. But yeah, I, I guess as far as the characters go, they're all serviceable and do their part. I, I mean, I have my issues with... Remy Malik's villain, but as far as the actual returning characters go, they're the strongest aspect of this film, that's for sure. Uh, the action set pieces themselves are fantastic. I was saying to my friend that it felt like it was a culmination of every action set piece you want to see in a Bond film. We have a car chase, we have an action set piece out on the water, we have an awesome showdown in the woods. We have like this island showdown in like a secret base. It's like everything you want in a Bond film all put on display here in the final uh, film, I guess, with the with Daniel Craig's Bond. And each set piece is really entertaining. Now, I was expecting it uh, with a, a Bond film directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga, but we got a one-take sequence of Bond taking out these bad guys going up a staircase, which was brilliant. And what I meant by you were kind of expecting it from him as a director, he, of course, directed the wonderful episode of true detective who goes there which has the iconic one take shot of matthew mcconaughey leaving a safe house and it's brilliant like one of the best sequences on television in television history it's brilliant and i was expecting a one take action set piece as this is his first full-blown action project and we got it and it was really really well done very entertaining uh really tense and really perfectly shot so that was really entertaining we have minimal CGI use, but it's still noticeable when it is used. There's the launching of these missiles from a boat at the end of the film. Clearly CGI, uh, a little distracting, especially if you are attuned to that kind of thing on screen. But at the same time, completely serviceable. I mean, you can't have these epic action set pieces without having a little CGI enhancement here and there because some of the things are impossible, you know, they're, they're physically impossible. So we do need to have liberties taken in certain aspects, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty seamless. I didn't really notice a great deal of it. There's another shot of these Jeeps or Land Cruisers 
going over a ledge. There's three of them. And when they go over the ledge, it's clearly CGI as well. But again, these are minor nitpicks in, a, I guess, a overall really enjoyable action flick, especially on a Bond level. The score itself by Hans Zimmer was quite entertaining. We have the classical um, James Bond beats, which are really good and quite prevalent, especially if you're a fan of the franchise. You can really notice them here. Uh, we have Billie Eilish's music playing as undertones. It kind of acts as a theme for Madeline and Bond, which I really enjoyed. So when they're on screen together, we can hear it. Um, we also have a uh, kind of a culmination of both The Dark Knight and Inception at the end of the film. It felt like the piece that plays at the end of Inception time mixed a little with Bond, then a little of The Dark Knight added at the end. Um, it's fine, like it's really good, but I did think, hey, Hans Zimmer's sort of plagiarising himself a little here because I've heard this music before. Not that that's a bad thing because it does play really well on screen and, I mean, he's iconic as far as composers go. But it was something I did notice. But I have since downloaded that score and I've been listening to it uh, here and there and it's really, really good. Um, it it complements the action set pieces really well. But it also plays really well with the actual film. And as a big Hans Zimmer fan, I'm glad that he did get to compose a James Bond film, especially his final outing as Bond. He's just such a talented composer and I think he does a really, really good job here. And the music does complement the rest of the film, which is what you want, especially from a uh, Bond perspective, because, yeah, he's a he's a very talented composer and one of my favourites. Uh, as far as everything else goes, I mean, like I've mentioned, the action's really, really well done. The set pieces are fun, they're exciting, and they play really well in terms of a Bond film. I really like the cast. They're all fantastic here. I found the actual story to be quite interesting and engaging for the most part. Minor complaints there with Remy Malik's character, but overall it was a really, really well put together James Bond film. Now, I'm going to get into spoilers here because I can't really talk about this film without talking about its conclusion. So if you haven't watched the film, please go out and do so. See it on the biggest screen possible because the sound, the visuals, everything culminates for such an enjoyable cinema-going experience. Uh, so definitely go out and watch it in cinemas. Then come back and listen to my conclusion here. But you have been warned. Spoilers ahead. Three, two, one. So Bond does die here. Um, quite surprising, I think, for most people. A few people have said, oh, I was expecting it. But it's pretty iconic in the sense that we haven't actually seen this happen with his character before um, in terms of, you know, such a the longevity of Daniel Craig as Bond and then killing off this character. It's quite somber and sweet. Uh, Bond, essentially, Remy Malik's character uses the biological weapon on Bond and essentially it's nanobites that affect now um, the specific genome of Madeline and, spoiler alert again, uh, Bond and Madeline's daughter. They have a daughter together and he cannot come in contact with them without killing them because they do possess her genes. Uh, so Bond is left with the dilemma of he can't actually cure this, it's incurable, so he's stuck on the island now facing death because he can't go back to Madeline and his daughter because he, of course, is now infected with this virus. Uh, so we have a phone call moment where he's on the phone to Madeline and he's saying, I can't really do it. 
And it's really sad because it felt like he'd finally found happiness and he can't live the life that he wants to live because he's saving the world like he always does. And it was really sweet. Uh, It was quite sad to see him go. I didn't get too emotional, not as much as what I was expecting, but like I said, I did find it to be quite somber and really sweet. It was really well put together. The performance by uh, Daniel Craig was really good. I liked the repetition of using the idea of time, and I guess the film's called No Time to Die, and I really liked that he kept saying that to her during the conversations they have throughout the film. Harkens back to the original sequence at the beginning, which was really sweet, and like I said, it felt a little different for his character. It gave him the swan song that I think Daniel Craig deserves as the character. It's pretty final. I've heard people and read some threads on Twitter where they're like, oh, he didn't actually die, he escaped. It's like, nah, he's dead, and I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily want to see him on screen again as Bond because I got the conclusion, a satisfying conclusion, that I wasn't really expecting from the film. And the finality of his death is really quite well done. Um, We have this shot at the end of the film where Madeline's driving over the Italian... um, uh, coastal side where they, her and Bond were at the start of the film and she's like, let me tell you a story about a man, Bond, James Bond. And I was like, that's really sweet. I'm glad that we have this finality here and it's um, it's deserved. Bond needed a swan song and he got one and, yeah, it's really sweet. So I really enjoyed that sequence. I really enjoyed the film in general and I think that moving forward, um, I've seen a few actors throwing their uh name in the ring to be a potential Bond replacement. Dwayne Johnson's the worst one I've heard so far. I've defended The Rock before, but, man, he is not a James Bond. I would like to see, uh, you know, some of the other actors that are being thrown out are like uh, Idris Elba, potentially even seeing, you know, like Richard Madden, um, which is an interesting one too. Henry Cavill's been thrown around, especially after how good he was in Mission Impossible Fallout. But at the moment, I'm happy with them taking a little rest, little reprieve from the Bond character. Let's reset and see down the track who's a suitable replacement for Daniel Craig as the character. I think he has done a really good job, and I've really enjoyed him as Bond throughout each of these films. Even if they dip in quality here and there, he's always the best part, and that continued over to this film. Uh, He was fantastic. So overall, guys, I had a really good time with No Time to Die. And I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. Um, It does have a few issues with Remy Malek's character. And towards the end of the film, some of the action was becoming a little repetitive. But very minor complaints here, guys. I had a really, really good time with this film. I would recommend seeing it on the biggest screen possible. Go and support your local movie theater. Don't wait for it on 4K or Blu-ray or DVD uh, to or streaming to watch it. Go and see it on the cinema, on the big screen, because it's definitely worth your time. It's such a good film and such a good film to see with an audience too. So go and check it out while it's still in cinemas. Um, before I go here, though, guys, I do want to um, do a little summary of the Bond films and I'm going to rank them. Uh, I think that that's probably the best way to conclude this is just to give you my ranking of the Daniel Craig Bond films as I haven't discussed Bond on the podcast before. So here's my ranking of each of the Bond films. So I'll go from worst to best. And my least favourite, like I mentioned, is Quantum of Solace. The film's completely fine. It just fails a little in terms of 
just that style, nailing down who Daniel Craig's Bond is. And it's incredibly short for a Bond film. It, it runs in an under two hours. And considering No Time to Die is like 2.45, I think Spectre was the same time too. It just felt like it was a little too short. Not Nothing against like having a short film, but overall it, it just felt like it was underdeveloped. Uh, so I'm going to give A Quantum of Solace a 6 out of 10. Uh, coming in at number four, I have Spectre. Now, I do enjoy some aspects of Spectre. There's some really cool action set pieces. I thoroughly enjoy the scene in the snow, and the ending is really quite good as well. Some of this stuff with Madeline and Bond is really entertaining, and like I said, I really like Christoph Waltz as uh, Blofeld. But the film itself just, it, it drags. It really does drag. You can feel the runtime here. The pacing's off, especially in the first act. It takes a while to establish things. I guess I didn't mention the opening sequence. I, I enjoyed the opening set piece, uh, the Day of the Dead Festival. It's really entertaining and it sets it up for a really good Bond outing. But overall, it was kind of disappointing. Uh, like I said, I saw it in cinemas and I've seen it probably once since then. And yeah, it's just not my favorite out of the Daniel Craig Bond films. Going to give this one a 6.5 out of 10. Coming in at number three. Now, this was hard, but I'm going to go with Skyfall at the moment. Um, I love Skyfall. Sam Mendes is a brilliant filmmaker. He, of course, directed Spectre as well, but I really like his visual style and Roger Deakins' cinematography here is gorgeous. Uh, Adele's song as well, brilliant. A uh, culmination of a great villain. Um, we have a bit of a, a sad ending with Judy Dench's M uh, passing away as well, but... Man, oh man, is it a good film. It's such a well-directed film. It's really, really interesting to see the dynamic shift between our characters. Money Penny, of course, shooting Bond at the start of the film. It's like, yeah, completely throws everything out the window, but it is a really well-done film. Really love the action set pieces, and uh, like I said, it's a really gorgeous film to look at too. I'm going to give Skyfall a 9 out of 10. Coming in at number 2, I have No Time to Die, for all the reasons that you've listened to this podcast, that's why this film comes in at number two. I honestly believe Skyfall will probably be my number two on repeat viewings of No Time to Die. Um, it's hard to say, though. Like, that could shift easily. It could even come in at number one. But at the same time, I really enjoyed uh, No Time to Die. I think it's a fantastic film. Culmination of everything in the franchise paying off at the end, too. I like the callbacks to various characters and plot. Uh, developments throughout the film really really well done and just a really entertaining action film um, I'm going to give like I gave it uh, just a second ago No Time to Die gets a 9 out of 10 from me and coming in at number 1 is the first film that kicked this whole thing off with Daniel Craig as Bond and that is Casino Royale the film directed by Martin Campbell um, and starring Daniel Craig as Bond. We have Mads Mikkelsen's villain, who is fantastic, a very different and gritty take on the character. It's just a combination of what we have come to expect from Bond, but bringing it into the new age with a little bit of a darker undertone. After the Piers Brosnan films got a little silly and ridiculous towards the end, it was nice to see a more grounded approach to the Bond character, and I think they did a really good job. Martin Campbell hasn't been nearly as good since this film as a director, and every time he does something, I'm always keen to see him return to that, uh, I guess, that action direction that he was so good at doing here. But unfortunately, he's just never come to be as good as what he was here. But yeah, it's such a great film. I'm going to give Casino Royale a 10 out of 10. 
a definite uh, number one for me at the moment, and I don't see that changing. It very well could, don't get me wrong, but Casino Royale is an action masterpiece. It's such a good film. But that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all very much for listening. Make sure you check out my other reviews that I've got live at the moment. I'm going to have more content coming at you before Christmas. Make sure that you rate and review the podcast down below. Share it with your friends and, yeah, make sure that you check out my other episodes. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OzMovieGeek. You can also get in touch with me via those social media platforms or by e- emailing me, uh, OzMovieGeek at gmail.com. Uh, But thank you guys for your support. I'm trying to get as much content out to you as possible at the moment leading up to Christmas. I'm going to have a short break over Christmas time to recharge and hopefully uh, take the podcast in a new and exciting direction. So look forward to that. But thank you again, guys, for listening. And until next time, peace out.